This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. NPR wants to hear from you, the listener. How can we improve your experience? What are we doing well? What can we do better? Head to npr.nz and click on the listener survey button to be taken to a short series of questions that will help us do better. You'll also go in the draw to win a $50 Cafe Royale voucher. That's npr.nz or find the link on our Facebook page. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property. We're going to talk a little bit about the market today, a bit of what's happening with property around Palmas North and Manawatu and a few general things that have been happening in the landlording space as well. Speaking of landlording space, uh, this article from goodreturns.co.nz says no sign of investor exodus and it looks as though residential landlords are not exiting the market in droves as a result of the government's tenancy law reforms and other investor-focused policy changes. So this is from a report by Tony Alexander and the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand where they survey real estate agents. And since the first survey in May, the number of agents reporting seeing an increase in investors in the markets has steadily grown. In fact, the October reading has a net 38% of agents seeing more investors in contrast to 16% in May. So additionally, for every month since the survey started asking in June, more agents have reported fewer investors looking to sell than have reported that they are seeing more to sell. So in other words, uh, it just keeps growing as a roundabout way of saying that. So there really is a lack of evidence to support the contention that the government's efforts to improve the conditions of increasingly long-term tenants in New Zealand are having a net negative impact on investor interest in residential property, the report sells. um, Mentions, and if some investors are selling, many more are buying, it says. And so really that finding is supported by the Reserve Bank's latest mortgage lending data which shows that in August new lending to investors reached a level not seen since May 2018. So what's causing this? Well we've got the low interest rates driving people to invest in residential property and even though investor hopes of picking up something cheap are steadily fading month by month, people are still thinking about their retirement and how to fund it. Other information from this report, a high net 58% of agents say they're seeing more people attending open homes and 38% report seeing more people at auctions. Prices are seen as rising by a net 88% of agents compared to a net 17% who felt in May prices were falling. And they also report the fear of missing out has risen again from a net 77% in September to 81% this month. So really interesting there as well. And in local news, uh, Palmas North Builder has been named the Central North Island Apprentice of the Year. So this is great. This is uh, a young Palmas North Builder has won the 2020 Central North Island Hawke's Bay East Coast Master Builders Apprentice of the Year. And after winning the regional final, building apprentice Ben Roberts will now get a shot at the national title when he faces off against eight other regional finalists in Auckland in November. So the 20-year-old who works for Mike Campbell Construction faced stiff competition from Turbine Residential's Patrick Smither and MD Morrison Sons' Jack Morris, who came second and third, respectively. And the judges singled out 
uh, Roberts, who excelled in all areas of the competition. So the apprentices were first judged on a two-hour practical challenge in their initial entry submission. The top ten then progressed to an interview with the judging panel, followed by an on-site visit where finalists discussed their work projects. So we wish uh, Ben Roberts very well in the national final there. Now what's happening in housing here in Palmerston North? You may have noticed if you've been down Pioneer Highway or down Church Street recently, construction going on. And this article from Stuff in the Muddle 2 Standard says, Pioneer Highway Apartments to ease Palmerston North housing need. So the property development company Soho Group will be putting a 46-home dent in Palmerston North's waiting list for housing by February. So that's really good news. It's the designer and property manager behind the multi-storey housing precinct taking place between Pioneer Highway and Church Street at West End. Soho Managing Director Sam Wallace said the public housing block was one of the several the company was building around New Zealand to help relieve the housing shortage. The firm has a partner in Compass Housing Services New Zealand which will manage the public rental tenancies while Soho retains responsibility for buildings and maintenance. So it's a 20-year commitment. Uh, the project has been built by Isles Construction and was one of the first in Palmerston North to resume, resume when New Zealand emerged from the COVID-19 lockdown in April. So it's well advanced if you wanted to drive by and have a look. It includes 46 one- and two-bedroom units across five separate blocks, two of which are three-storied apartment-style buildings. And Wallace said the medium-density project had provided challenges and new approaches to respond to the need for affordable housing. And although the City Council had changed its district plan to allow for more intensive residential development, it had been a new concept and it had actually taken 63 working days to get through the resource management process. But he said it was a good first for the city and there's been lessons for both parties in understanding how to produce a good outcome. So really good uh, to, to know that these things are going along Going along well, the homes uh, have a few details here. The extra effort had gone into making sure they're weathertight and waterproof from the inside and outside. And the, the homes had insulation better than required by building code and ventilation to help cool them in winter to help keep electricity costs down. Wallace said the company was looking forward to getting people out, out of cars and motels and into good, safe, warm units that could become their long-term homes. The complex includes a communal laundry for people who don't have their own machines, a communal outdoor areas and walkways where people would be encouraged to mingle with their neighbours. So that's, uh, that's great. And another 18-unit complex is also being planned for Palmerston North. So Council Housing Portfolio spokeswoman Susan Beatty said it was fantastic that Soho would be dealing with 10% of the city's 500-long waiting list for public housing in one project. In a couple of years, I'm hoping we will have sorted this housing issue out in Palmerston North, she said. Mayor Grant Smith said he was looking forward to seeing the finished complex from a commercial developer with a social conscience. He hoped preparations for the next development would run more smoothly after the lessons learned. So it's great the council's being proactive there uh, with regards uh, pairing with these companies to build properties that are in demand yet are largely unavailable, and that's in that uh, one to two bedroom space. Further from this, uh, also uh, along a similar vein, was this article in Manitou Standard saying state houses in Palmerston North demolished to make room for more smaller homes. And again, you may have seen some of this happening if you've been uh, looking around um, 
looking around the area with regards to uh, Roslyn in particular. But Kainga Ora has demolished 30 state houses in Palmas North to make room for these smaller homes. And they've been demolished between 2016 and 2019 to make way for new, warm, dry and quality homes on existing Kainga Ora land. So in this article it says 46 of the 149 houses promised for Palmas North in 2017 have been finished with 71 in construction and planning stages to be finished by 2022. So it's really great that that's, that's done. I and mean, some of the houses that were currently in construction you may have seen in Clyde Crescent, Vogel Street and Rangiora Avenue in Palmerston North where three and four bedroom homes were demolished for one and two bedroom homes. On some of those sections when I was having a drive around I've noticed that they've effectively replaced one home with three. So that's great. That's the sort of thing that we need to help us uh, with the housing issue. So Associate Minister of Housing Chris Farfoy said there were different types of need and the changes reflected that. He said Kainga Ora traditionally built three and four bedroom homes, but it was unproductive to put a single man, for example, into a three bedroom home. Of the 18,500 people on the list for housing in New Zealand, almost 9,000, that's half of them, waiting for a one bedroom home, and a further 6,000 are waiting for a two bedroom home. So that's really three quarters of the waiting list only need that one or two bedroom home. So it's a great way of uh, getting the, the best out of the land uh, by putting more properties on. The number of people on the housing waiting list has increased by 50.4% since 2019. So he said that the Labour has spent the last three years cleaning up the wreck of state housing after homes were demolished and not replaced. Farfoy said there was often a focus of housing in Auckland, but the regions were suffering too. We are building and we have to keep it up, especially in the regions. Now the median house price in Palmerston North three years ago was about 360000 whereas now it's about 510000 And a Kainga order spokesman said it had bought 22 homes in Palmerston North over the past three years, adding to the total of 1,434 homes in Palmerston North. So that's uh, uh, good news. Now being election, we ha- election year, we have to put a little bit of a um, caveat on some of these articles. It can have a political uh, stance as there is so much housing being released in the political side of things. This article uh, on landlords.co.nz says Labour plans to regulate property managers, which is fantastic news Uh, according to people in the property management industry and also tenants. So basically property managers will be regulated and subject to a code of conduct to ensure they meet professional standards if the Labour Party returns to power after the election. The newly announced plan is part of the Labour Policy's new housing policy which has been launched uh, recently by Jacinda Ardern and the housing spokesperson Megan Wood. A big focus of the housing policy is to keep the construction sector moving in a bid to increase housing supply while stimulating the economy and creating jobs in the wake of COVID-19. So they're committing to delivering more public and transitional houses and repealing the Resource Management Act to reduce the number of barriers to building new homes. Now just mo- moving on, she's, uh, I've got a sort through the political language on this so I don't come across as being biased but I am just paraphrasing this article from landlords.co.nz of course. So she goes on to say that we'll continue to ensure tenants and landlords have a fair deal 
by regulating property managers following our work setting basic health standards for rental properties. So that's why, as part of their housing plan, Labor will introduce regulation of property management services to ensure they meet professional standards and code of conduct. Now, one thing they're not saying in this article is they're saying that they'll regulate the industry, which is great, but they're not saying that they'll regulate uh, private landlords in any way. So that's going to be interesting to see there if one is disadvantaged over the other. So at the policy launch, Megan Woods noted that multiple groups from Consumer New Zealand through to the Property Council have called for action on lifting the performance of property management services and certainly uh, a range of groups and organisations have also done this, including the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, Barford and Thompson, uh, property management company Real IQ. They've been calling for regulation of the property management industry of year, for years, as have uh, a number of the local companies here in Manawatu, Wanganui. However, until recently, the Labour-led government have not indicated any plans to move on those calls, although one of its coalition partners, the Greens, has long advocated for the action. So if we do end up with a Labour-Greens government, this is something that will likely go ahead. It seems that time is right now to address the issue, and today's announcement was welcomed by many, including the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, which has been campaigning for regulation for over 10 years, as I have as well. So the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand Chief Executive Bindi Norwell says they're delighted that Labor would work with the industry to develop practical standards to ensure property managers comply with the Code of Conduct. It's a positive step towards improving the lives of many people around the country, she says. New Zealand is currently one of the few countries in the OECD that does not regulate its property managers. And this lack of regulation has had a negative impact on tenants and landlords who have reported bad experiences due to property managers acting unprofessionally and not being held accountable for their actions. It also jeopardises the reputation of good property managers who are doing a great job in the industry. Having a level playing field, clarity and transparency in the property management industry will help ensure there is a better rental market for all New Zealanders, Norwell adds. So therefore it's really interesting then that, um, and coincidentally, that an education program has been launched for landlords by landlords. And this is actually really good news as well because of the high level of self-managing landlords. And I'll just mention about that when I read from this article. This was on scoop.co.nz. An education program for landlords by landlords. So after calls for regulation on the rental property industry earlier this year, the New Zealand Property Investors Federation has developed an education program designed specifically for self-managing landlords who make up 60% of all property managers. The initiative is a positive way to improve the experience of both prospective tenants and landlords, said Sharon Corwick, the Executive Officer of the New Zealand Property Investors Federation. A self-managing landlord relies on the weekly rent to pay the mortgage on the property. Hence, unlike a property manager employed by a property management company, they are more likely to ensure the tenant-landlord relationship is a successful and long-lasting one. I don't particularly agree with that, but never mind, that's just paraphrasing Sharon Corwick. She says also the high demands on property managers mean they do not typically stay in the profession for longer than 12 months. However, most self-managing landlords, due to the vested interest in their properties, are in it for long term, on average over five years. The education program allows those who undertake it to learn vital basics, confirm their competency and become recognised as better landlords. Although it is designed for the newer investor, it contains information that even the most experienced property investor will benefit from learning. The purpose of the program is to help landlords run their property investments like professionals. 
So the education program for self-managing landlords consists of 13 online modules. It covers the Residential Tenancies Act, necessary forms and documents, fixed term and periodic tenancies, the rights and responsibilities of both the tenant and the landlord. It also includes how to successfully rent out your property, what you should know about property maintenance and improvements, and how to carry out a property inspection. How to handle tenant issues and processes to follow if things go wrong are also part of the programme. And once each module has been completed, the user must complete a skills test before moving on to the next module. A certificate of completion is awarded at the end of the programme. So the course was launched in April 2020 and has had... uh, 554 registered participants, and of which over 272 have completed it. So that's something that I might have a look at myself and um, and just see what that involves. Sounds interesting. So the Education Programme for Self-Managing Landlords is offers, offered free as a New Zealand Property Investors Federation membership benefit to all members of any of the local property investors associations. Also available to associate members and non-members for a fee. That's something that you might like to have a look at. So now we're just going to have a break for a little bit of music. We've got uh, Imagine Dragons and Radioactive here on Property Matters. Waking up 
Joe back here on Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson here on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo Irirangi o Nga Tangata o Manawatu. So lovely having your company today. And we're just talking about property. Here's something a bit different. Queenstown, of course, this is going, this article is about from the lifestyle section on stuff. The article says, can't afford a holiday home in Queenstown? Question mark. How about a car park with valet? So there's some really interesting things here. And this article says that, uh, and this might be an idea that appeals to some people too, with property prices in Queenstown still at the high end of the scale, buying a holiday home in the town is out of the price range for most of us. But what about a covered car park with a valet? Bulgaris Real Estate is marketing freehold strata title car parks from $105,000 plus GST in a new development not far from Queenstown Airport. So the 6.1 metre long parks come with a ventilated lifestyle locker that can be used to store skis, snowboards, ski jackets, bicycles or even a scooter. The listing describes the idea as the ultimate hassle-free experience have the valet meet you at the airport in your own vehicle or just walk over, load up your ski gear and be on your way to Coronet Peak all within 15 minutes of leaving the terminal. That's pretty awesome. Kurt Bassett, who holds the listing with Michael Bulgaris, says the company has had the listing for less than a fortnight and has already had interest from both skiers and investors. And he says it's people living in the high-end eastern suburbs as well as Ponsonby, Greyland and Hearn Bay who are looking at the option. He says it appeals to Aucklanders in particular. We've had a lot of interest from people in Remuera. The upside to the car park is having generously sized storage unit for ski gear, camping gear and overflow for people that may commute regularly to Queenstown. I'd love to commute regularly to Queenstown myself. I'm just not sure I'd want to spend 105000 for a car park. Bassett describes the parks as generous in size, being 3 metres wide as opposed to the conventional 2.4. The 3 metre width is designed to cater for four-wheel drive vehicles and roof racks. So there is an investment option which offers a 5% return for three years paid quarterly. So the developer behind this project is a Sydney-based boutique private equity firm called The Eights and construction is by CMP Construction. Project's expected to be completed by April 2021. Apparently they are a reputable company experienced in valet security and site management and they manage the car parks. And where is it? The building's 1.4 kilometres from the airport, which uh, if you looked on Google would probably tell you that it's a 19-minute walk from there to the airport or three minutes by valet. So that's a really interesting uh, way of doing things. Uh, You just arrive, your car's there, your gear's there, and off you go. Hard life for some, I guess, uh, for those who can afford to do so. Here's something from the renting side of things from the Otago uh, Daily Times. And this was the backlash over a woman's ad for straight gender flatmate. So a woman looking for a flatmate online received a barrage of backlash after saying applicants had to be of a straight gender. The woman, who recently moved from Christchurch to Auckland, posted in a community Facebook group and said she had a spare room available to rent in the three-bedroom home she was living in with her son. Within the post, she said, applicants must be straight gender as we are Christians and have our beliefs. And this attracted a lot of criticism, and the post has been deleted. And the woman uh, talking to uh, Apollo said she was sincerely sorry for any upset she'd caused, but stood by her views. 
She says, it's okay for people to be like that. It's just not who we are. I just don't want it in our home, she says. The woman who is a tenant at the property was looking for a sub-tenant to rent a bedroom from her, so that makes her a sub-landlord. So where do we sit legally with this? Well, Tenancy.co.nz Managing Director and Lawyer Scotty Williams said her relationship as a sub-landlord to the prospective flatmate falls outside the restrictions of the Residential Tenancies Act. So this means she's not bound by the same rules around discrimination that landlords are when looking to sign individuals onto rental agreements. So therefore it would seem that advertising for somebody uh, and discriminating under the Human Rights Act is actually okay in these circumstances. We have to see if that ever gets tested in court. Uh, Rainbow Youth Executive Director Francis Ahn said the behaviour was disappointing but also an example of the reality queer New Zealanders live in. It's really sad and awful to hear the story and not surprising to us, she says. And these are stories we hear our young people experience on a daily basis with things like health, housing and even employment. And finally, we'll end with an opinion piece from Steve Stannard, this from the Manawatu Standard. It says, healthy home standards miss the elephant in the room. So again, this is an opinion piece, but it says, Last week a woman from Foxton told me how much better the weather was 30 kilometres to the east of Palmas North. More sunshine, less rain, she said, although it can get a bit windy. And since nowhere in New Zealand is windier than Palmas North except Wellington, I'm thinking Foxton sounds like a great place to live. Now New Zealand houses, especially in weather-beaten places such as Wellington, suffer from climatic challenges, throw in earthquakes, and a Kiwi house requires good design, quality build, and occupants who look after it just to remain standing. The way the house and the environment interact affects your comfort and your abode too. Without double glazing, thick curtains or roof insulation, a house can get cold in winter even with a decent heater. With little airflow, moisture accumulates and mould can grow, not to mention the various short and long-term effects of a leaky roof. Once you mix in human behaviour, and all these can affect the well-being of who's inside. Mould exposure can affect people's health and the feeling of cold in bed doesn't pertain to very good night's sleep. So public health specialists understand this and subsequently politicians have recently legislated that rental houses must reach a particular standard, uh, that's the Residential Tenancies Healthy Home Standards Regulations of 2019. So these regulations put the onus on landlords to install fixed heating devices that can warm living rooms to at least 18 degrees Celsius, underfloor insulation to at least 120 millimetres thick, appropriate extractor fans in kitchens and bathroom, and opening windows in the living room, dining room, kitchen and bedrooms. They must also have efficient guttering, downpipes and drains, no gaps or holes in walls, ceilings, windows or floors, or doors that cause noticeable draughts. It goes on to say that unless already done, meeting compliance will cost the average landlord six to twelve thousand. Dollars plus the cost of the middle people who do the warrant of fitness. Now, the evidence for improving health should therefore be indisputable if the 600,000 rental New Zealand uh, properties each have to spend upwards of $10,000 because much of that cost will be passed on as increased rent. And because $6 billion of spending on upgrades is equivalent to 10,000 Kiwi build homes or possibly 20,000 public homes. So some overseas studies show those with already impaired health can benefit from improved home heating in winter. However, the New Zealand climate and building standards are unique, so we must use our own data. Now, Steve Stannard is a scientist, so we'll go on here. Um, He says, 
about 200 houses in Wellington, Dunedin and Christchurch and Bluff with at least one child aged 6 to 12 with asthma were given an improved and cleaner home heating system for the winter-based study. Another 200 or so were told they would get the heating system next winter once the study was finished. The home heating improvements increased average temperature by about one degree in the living room and about half a degree in the asthmatic children's bedrooms. And interestingly, this did not translate to a significant difference in the important clinical measures of lung function through which asthma is mainly diagnosed. You see, it's um, the news. He goes on into more detail, but it's basically the New Zealand evidence for improving home heating uh, to stop or reduce clinical marks of asthmatics in kids is not concrete, despite the common perception it is. But he does say, regardless of this, landlords would be silly not to abide by the new laws if they can afford to, because the asset will last longer without the moisture and mould. And smart landlords will realise good tenants are gold and will bend over backwards to keep them happy, so the rent keeps rolling in. However, we now have yet another compliance industry that does not add value, but costs everyone time and money, while the elephant in the room, the lack of housing, is ignored. If the rental stock was larger, as I've said before, renters would have more options to be able to choose properties with better heating and insulation. So that's all we've got this week on Property Matters. It's been lovely having your uh, company, and we look forward to talking again and having you tune in this time next week. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.